Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast where we get down to the nitty gritty of what actually happens before, during, and after a cancer diagnosis. Hosted by me, Madison Pollock, and my co-host, Paige Gill. Today's guest is Vanessa Pettyjohn, a two-time rhabdomyosarcoma survivor, limb loss survivor, and clinical social worker for cancer patients. Welcome back to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks. Today we're talking to Vanessa, a two-time sarcoma survivor, and we're so excited to have her. Hello, Vanessa. Hi, thanks for having me. Our pleasure. We can't wait to hear more about your story and talk to you a little bit. We love hearing how our other guests are connected, um, and you and Anna Ellie from a few episodes ago were connected through Regarding Cancer, which um, I want to ask you about. And, and that's really exciting. So we love that. Um, to start, do you mind explaining like the type of sarcoma that you have because it's a long name and um, you know, there's so many different sarcomas. So if you could start there, that would be awesome. Yeah, sure. So I had a type of sarcoma that is, uh, it's a really long, weird word. It's rhabdomyosarcoma. And it is um, basically a cancer that shows up in the muscle tissue. And mine, uh, I had the tumor in the muscle in my forearm. Okay. Got it. And you were young, right? Like, was it a childhood cancer? Yeah, so it's a childhood cancer. Um, It's a little bit, it is a rare cancer, and it's a little bit more rare to get it as, like, a teenager or adolescent. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was diagnosed when I was 15. And, um, and then again, I had a recurrence when I was, uh, 17. Got it. So both times you were in high school. Yeah. Yeah. And in terms of it reoccurring, is that, I mean, I guess nothing's, uh, common, but, um, was it more surprising that it showed up again after two years or is that normal with the type of cancer you have in terms of like they've seen that reoccur after years rather than months sure yeah that's a good question so um it was actually not two years because the first time I went through treatment I had um actually nine months of chemotherapy Mm. so um you know it was almost a year of treatment and then I was in remission for um how many months it was i think somewhere around several months that i i was in remission but not quite a year um and then and then it recurred so so um, it came back in less than a year yeah but it, it was something that from the beginning they told me that i had so there's i think three different types of this uh rhabdomyosarcoma and I had like the worst type that you can get. It's the more aggressive, like fast growing type. Mm-hmm. So they, they did kind of tell me in the beginning that there's a chance that it could come back. Mm. Got it. Yeah, I was still like shocked, you know. Of course, yeah. Of yeah, because yeah, you think you're done and then no, nope, you know, it comes back. Yeah, yeah for of sure. Course. Yeah. Oh, oh, and that is interesting. So there's three different types. And what's the difference between the one you had and then the other two? 
That's a good question, and they don't really have a good yeah, answer. That's a really hard question. <laughs> I don't know. I was, was going to be really like impressed. Some, but I don't. <laughs> yeah, okay, that, that's totally fine. I wouldn't be able to really respond to if someone asked me the multiple types of uh, lymphoma, probably that well either. So, yeah, people, people ask me what the difference between Hodgkin's and non Hodgkin's. I'm like, I have no, I have no clue. Yeah. I just say one is connected. R1 Hodgkins is connected. Non Hodgkins, I think you it can jump around and it's not connected. I oh, know. I didn't even know that. Don't put me on that. Yeah, explain it. Thank you. Yeah, I hope it's yeah, right. Also, it so. sounds right. <laughs> and um, Vanessa, how did you find out that you like? How did you figure it out that that's what it was? Yeah. So it took some time to figure it out um, because I had started noticing that the muscle in my left forearm was starting to like get bigger than the one in my right. Um, mm. It was kind of weird because I'm right-handed and also, um, but I was also really pretty active. You know, I was 15 and I was doing like um, color guard in the band. And so I was mm. using my arms a lot to do the flag work. And so, you know, I would kind of like joke about it with my friends and, you know, they joke that I had like a Popeye muscle or something yeah. <laughs> and I would just be like, well, somehow I'm spinning it more on the left side, you know, or something. Right. Yeah. You just so, thought it was like, yeah. Yeah. I was just like, what? I don't know what this is. It's yeah. Like, you would never think that it's something like. Yeah. Serious. Right. And then. Um, but then it started like, so I kind of ignored it for maybe a couple months and then it started to get like bigger and it started to get kind of like tingly when I would like have my arm on the desk. Mm. And, uh, so that's when I started to get a little bit worried. And, um, so we ended up, you know, I went to the primary care doctor and they, you know, they were like, well, it's probably just a cyst, but we're right. going to get, you know, like an MRI just in case. And as soon as I went to like the children's hospital and got the MRI, it was just like, boom, boom, boom. Like, just like, it just okay. happened really fast. Yeah, it was super fast. Like, okay, now you're seeing an oncologist and now the oncologist, right. okay, you know, this is cancer. Wow. And I can't imagine that as a teenager either, because you're just like, you know, we've talked to a few other um, survivors who were teenagers when they were diagnosed and went through it. And it's just like, that's such a hard time in life without dealing with this yeah. shit. Like, Yeah, it, it was. Sure. I mean, like any time is awful, but it's, yeah. it is tough as a teenager because that's the time when you're like, you know, learning about who you are and discovering right. your identity and like, yeah. you know, becoming more independent from your parents and right. like, friends are everything and, and, you know, mm. doing stuff with friends. And so that was really tough. Just obviously change like everything. And yeah, um, yeah, it, it was, it was definitely a difficult time. Yeah. How did your friends, Absolutely. How did your friends like respond and kind of how did you deal with it like as a teenager in terms of like talking to people about it and, you know yeah it was kind of a constant learning experience about right like, who to share it with and like how much to share um mm. 
I definitely had like a mix of responses from my friends. So mm-hmm. I had like um, really close friends that kind of backed away. Um, mm-hmm. I think, you know, obviously I know as an adult now, they were probably just scared to kind of face yes. that. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, teenagers think that they're invincible. So it's probably not something right. you want to think about is like, uh, cancer and like mortality and things like that but yeah. um, it was really hurtful you know definitely having like really close friends just sort of stop calling mm-hmm. and coming around um yeah I'm sure and but you know I had other like friends that I met and made like new friendships which was cool um mm-hmm. and had friends that would come over we do like game nights at home um nice. or like go to IHOP in our pajamas. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that sounds like the best night ever. Yeah, I want to do that now. Right. <laughs> so I mean, it was kind of a mix. Um, yeah. Definitely, you know, there was like one friendship that wasn't very healthy because that friend was kind of telling me how she felt like I should be, I guess, kind of responding to the cancer and how I should be telling everybody I meet that I have cancer <laughs> because it would change their life. <laughs> and what? Uh, <laughs> well, it, was just, it was just not right. So I just yeah, not at all. had to, I mean, we couldn't work it out. Like she just, she wasn't very flexible with my boundaries. So I ended up having to just let that friendship go. Yeah, I mean, as you should. Everyone has the right to deal with it however they want to deal with it. (laughs) Oh my gosh, that's really an intense way to go about it, how she was thinking to go about it. Yeah, it's also like thinking about her. Like, uh, yeah, exactly. That's the biggest. Right. Yeah. Right. It. Yeah, and it was just like, you know, when you're going, you guys know, when you're going through treatment, it's just like you have to kind of be more careful about your boundaries and like. Yeah. Having people around you that are going to support you um, is yeah. so important. And having people that are causing like more stress than you're already under, uh, it's just not healthy. Right. Yeah. I, I even feel like now, actually, I'm trying to learn and teach myself uh, energy vampires. I think they're called mm-hmm. from something, mm-hmm. something I've learned. But it was a good time in life during cancer to kind of learn that lesson and move forward with it even now but from what you're saying it sounds like those type of people like the yeah those energy vampires you already have such little energy that there's certain people that just suck it out and (laughs) yeah you have to preserve it yeah and what was okay so the first time did you do chemo what was kind of like the next step after did you have to like get it taken out kind of like what was the next step I guess once we're done yeah so unfortunately mine couldn't be taken out at all um because so I had stage three so it was um I guess the staging was based on how large it was okay so thankfully it hadn't spread anywhere the first time it hadn't but it was so large that it was um I think they said it was like the size of a golf ball and wow. it was sort of like wrapped around the nerves in okay. my arm. 
So they said they couldn't take it out because they might just end up leaving my arm like useless. Mm, okay. Um, and so they uh, just did the nine months of chemotherapy. Um, mm -hmm. And in like during chemotherapy, I had six weeks of daily radiation. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. And it was all on your arm. Yeah, thankfully it was okay. just all located in my arm. So the radiation like only had to target the the arm. Oh, okay. Yeah. Good. And chemotherapy was like um, weekly. Uh, I go in once a week for a shot. Um, okay. And then I go in once a month for like a, I called it the big chemo because it was mm -hmm. like three different types of chemo and I had to go into the hospital and oh, okay. I would get the chemo in the hospital um, oh, inpatient wow. for like three days. Oh, wow. That's yeah. so long. Yeah. It's very it's long time. Well, yeah. I always wonder, what. so when it's for multiple days getting chemo, do you get breaks in between at all? Or are you like hooked up the entire time? How does it work? Um, I'm trying to remember. It's been so long. I want to say, and I could be wrong, but I want to say that I actually got it in one day, but that they kept me oh. for two more days because I got so sick. Okay. okay. And like monitored you how yeah. you were after. Okay. That makes mm -hmm. sense. That makes and sense. they gave me um, fluids too. Right. Gotcha. Yeah. That makes sense. That's a good question, Paige. I've actually wondered yeah. that too. Right. I've always heard like, I've always heard like three days, five days, like in the hospital. And right. I was like, Oh my God, are you hooked up the entire time you're there? Like, that yeah. is a lot. That is a lot. I mean, it's a lot n any way you see it, but I've always yeah. just been curious how that process works. Because we were, Maddie and I were like there for a few hours. So it's just right. like, a bit Yeah, different. I was simply hooked up to like the IV pole the entire time. Um, I guess, you know, either getting fluids or. I guess sometimes they would give me, you know, meds for the nausea. Mm -hmm. um, right. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. And then, okay, so you did chemo and then, so did it like go down? Did the tumor, like, did it go away? Yeah. And then, you know what it I mean? It actually did. I had like a really good okay. response. And so it, it went completely away. And so, you know, then, you know, I got kind of like the all clear um, you know, and they do the full nine months because that's just kind of like the gold standard of treatment. Um, okay. I did that and then, you know, it was, they said, you know, they thought it was completely gone and, you know, go back to your life. And yeah. <laughs> and right. Yeah. That's so hard. And then when you got it again, um, how did the process go? Yeah. So. Um, so I got it again and I kind of found that one too. I found that tumor. Mm. Um, I don't know why, but I was, you know, just kind of like feeling my arm and I just noticed like a, a small lump that was sort of like in more like in the inner elbow, upper bicep area. Mm. And I just kind of knew when I felt it that that was it. I mean... I just felt like it was, and so right. I was kind of like thinking about it and like crying and just right. thinking like, okay, 
do I go tell my dad? What do we do? Yeah. And Yeah, that's kind of laugh crazy. at them. That you you already like had a very big feeling. Yeah. When it came back without even getting tested or anything, you knew. Yeah, it just yeah. it just didn't feel right and it was definitely like a lump. So I just mm -hmm. I took that time I just like cried a lot and then I went and told my dad and and he called and like we got in I think it was on the weekend like the weekend before spring break yeah. so I was like so bummed because I yeah I mean, you know you're thinking about cancer but then you're also like oh I can't do spring break stuff and of course yeah. you're still thinking about like your other life mm -hmm. it's like I can't go to prom and you know all that stuff oh. Yeah. So I was just that's you know, so true. That's yeah. a big year. It wasn't yeah, were you a senior. Um, that one was yeah, that was my senior year. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So did it affect like college applications and stuff like that, or like were you still trying to keep up with senior year and that whole process as well? Yeah, it was tough. Um. Because I got so sick from the chemo, um, mm. I kind of would get down to where I just had no immune system. And mm -hmm. I was having to go into the hospital pretty much monthly for infections. Um, oh, wow. Like the first time I went through treatment. And okay. so the first time I went through treatment, at first the school was like, I don't think they knew what to do with me. So they right. were like, no, you can't do homeschool. And so I went to school having, you know, had. Oh, my God. Yeah, yeah. So you went to school the whole time? No, actually, um, I went to school and then I got sick at school. And thankfully, there was a school nurse there that used to work in oncology. Oh and gosh. she was like, what are you doing here? You shouldn't be here. <laughs> so she yeah. was like really instrumental in like helping me to like and my family to advocate with the school to let me do homeschool. So Absolutely. Yeah. Oh my god, I say I can't believe I'm they sad you needed start. Yeah, yeah, I'm sad you needed someone to advocate for that. As yeah. honestly, that's I know. It's just like I, I don't I don't know if they'd ever had another student with cancer and they just right. weren't very easy to work with. Um, that but... is so crazy. It's like, did they not believe you that you didn't feel well? <laughs> yeah. you know? like, I don't know if they believed me, but they just like totally had no idea what comes with it's like what? Cancer yeah. 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 That's So I ended up doing um, like, kind of like the school's homeschool program where they would send um, a teacher out hmm. and they would like basically give me very little time of instruction. And hmm. then it's just kind of like self-paced work. Like you have to do hmm. everything that the students in the classroom are doing um, with the same due dates, but if you're you not teaching. Your yeah. So, yeah, I really struggled and, um, I mean, and I don't want to, not to be like, 
talking badly about the homeschool teacher because she was really nice, but right. that's kind of how it worked. Like she'd come out, she'd give me like a, a short instruction and then she'd just give me the homework. So it, it ended up being really tough to get my schoolwork done and pass. Yeah. And then my senior year, I had to go back, you know, this once I got diagnosed again, I had to do homeschool again. And I had to, I was already having to try to find ways to make up extra credits for like credits that I missed um, my sophomore year. Mm -hmm. And so I ended up having to like try to take these like distant learning classes through a community college Mm -hmm. um, on top of like the other classes I had through the school just to graduate. Oh, wow. That's a lot. Oh my it gosh, that's way no. harder than it was like, yeah. yeah. Cause like this, like all my peers were getting like these like off periods where they could just not have class, and I like had extra classes. So yeah, oh and you're like, yeah, yeah. So rather but, than making it lighter on you, it became more difficult. <laughs> right. Well, at least they like. Uh, they helped me to find classes that would count uh, that were like not hard okay that's good yeah at least there's one one way about it that went (laughs) yeah well oh my so and then did you do did you have to do chemo again then it sounds like yeah so I did I think it was either five or six months I think of chemo the second time and like in between that, I had to have an amputation of my arm. Um, right. Because yeah. since it came back the second time, they yeah. they were like, well, you know, it's come back higher. So mm-hmm. more, I guess it's more of a risk that if it's not treated, then it can spread to your chest. Um, okay. And they couldn't do radiation a second time. You can't do it more than once, I guess, because Uh, I think it would cause lymphedema. Yeah. So they just just said, yeah, I mean, you're going to have to have an amputation. Oh, my gosh. And, like, how did you deal with that? Was it kind of, like, because during everything, you're, like, in survival mode, you know? We always talk about this. Yeah. So, like, was it like that? Or because I, I mean, that's a whole other different thing, you know? Yeah, so it was, um, yeah, I was definitely in survival mode. I feel like, you know, when they tell you that, like, it's obviously, like, really hard to hear when they said I would have to have an amputation. But I think I was mostly in that survival Mm. mode of just, like, well, whatever it takes, you know, Mm. like, I need to beat this. And right. I'm so tired, like, I was just so tired of chemotherapy and being sick mm-hmm. that I was just like, if that's what it takes to get yeah. to get over this, then I'm going to do it. Because, right. um, I mean, there isn't really another option. I mean, it's too risky not to do it. Of course. Um, but I feel like it didn't really hit me. Like, I didn't fully, I guess, feel like the emotions or the fear of it until like right before the amputation yeah I like really can't imagine and if you don't mind me asking what was the journey like after that for you yeah um it was hard so 
I think that in one way, I feel like this, the healthcare system kind of let me down a little bit mm-hmm. because, you know, I had really great care, like really great doctors and great care with my treatment and with the surgery. I had the surgery at MD Anderson, but mm-hmm. um, I didn't really get referred for rehab um, after Oh, that. okay. Oh, yeah, I was going to ask, like, how did you get used to that? Yeah, yeah so, that was um, kind of like my, yeah. my like, question mainly around that whole thing. Yeah. So <laughs> <laughs> I I just kind of learned on my own. Wow. So, yeah. So and they didn't, oh sorry, I keep interrupting. Uh, I was, was going to ask you about, like, did you, and this might go into regarding cancer a little bit, but, like, did you ser- seek out support of like other people that had lost a limb or a body part to cancer? Like, did you find anyone like that you could relate to? Cause I, I think that's a missing part too, where it's like afterwards, you know, yeah, you're not, it's hard to find other people to relate to. Mm-hmm. So, um, I, I, uh, didn't really have anyone kind of in my age group. Um, right. Like when I first went through treatment, they were just mainly younger kids in the hospital. Mm-hmm. I think the closest age was there was a 14 year old that was getting treated for a different type okay. of cancer. But everyone yeah. else was really young. And then the second time I went through cancer, I think there were a couple teens at the hospital. Um, but for some reason, we didn't really connect much. And they did, they had different types of cancers too. So I didn't really have anyone like in my age group with the sarcoma um that i could talk to i think one of the i think it was either the social worker or the child life specialist that connected me with like a peer mentor that was um uh an amputee like she had lost i think her arm and shoulder and she connected me with this lady before my surgery and I did meet her once and she was really nice. And I think that for me, I was just like not ready at that point. I think to really acknowledge that I was going to have the surgery. So I didn't really, you know, like reach out to her again, which I regret now that I didn't because I probably could have learned like a lot from her. Mm -hmm. Um, And I didn't really reach out afterwards I don't know why, actually, after the surgery, why I didn't, but um, but it would have helped if I did, but I kind of regret that. Do you think you didn't because you felt like it would have been delving too much into the pain of it all, like, to express it? Like, when you share something, it becomes more of a thing. I don't, I don't know if that is something I, I just know that when we talk about like reaching out to other cancer survivors or people that go through the same thing um, I remember I was just hesitant with doing any of that initially until now actually because it just made me feel even more in the pain or even more sick or even more like I had that problem I, yeah. I, I don't know I don't though know. I do, do you feel like you kind of had those feelings or Um, I think that's a good point. I don't, I'm not sure if if that was it. I know, I know one part of it was that she was um, not like in my age range at all. She was like um, an adult. And I think that part of it just felt like, um, 
like it would be hard to connect or I felt a little bit yeah, like relate to her yeah, yeah, yeah. that's a little scary that's to tough. try and connect and then I think part of it too is just like not knowing what I needed at all like right where do you I, even start yeah, yeah like yeah I was yeah, yeah definitely in like the survival mode like okay getting through each day and just like each day trying to learn new things because it was mm -hmm. just there's just so many things that, like you like I definitely took for granted about just doing with two hands that I right. would like you know that would take me time to learn to do with one yeah I can't even imagine and do you feel like now that like do you feel now like you're I'm assuming maybe like you're used to it and like do you like think about it still you know what I mean on like a daily basis um well I mean I guess I don't think about it like a lot I just yeah I mean there are some days where I might get frustrated like if I'm doing something um yeah mm -hmm. or you know because it, it's painful like I have some mm -hmm. uh, pain like from it still okay. um that if oh, I'm like having a bad like moment then I might kind of think about it a little bit and like yeah mm -hmm. but most of the time it's just something I'm used to yeah right yeah because yeah, yeah i was gonna ask how many years has it been now yeah it's been 18 years wow oh. yeah. okay so, yeah that's a long time yeah, yeah. I, and when did you feel like when did you feel like you started getting the hang of it that's a good question that's a hard one i think sorry i'm asking I so felt many times <laughs> that's good that's good I think I felt like not maybe that I got the hang of it because I still felt like I had a lot to learn but I felt right. like I was ready to be like on my own like independent when I was 19 hmm. and so okay. actually I have an aunt who's like amazing and she um actually came down to help me and my family when I first uh got diagnosed okay and uh because my dad worked full-time and he was a single parent so mm -hmm. um she came down and stayed with us and helped out oh, that's so nice yeah she's awesome so sweet so, <laughs> she um lived in California and after oh. I finished all my treatment like the second time and I was thinking about where I wanted to go to college. Mm -hmm. She invited me. She said, well, you can come here and like start, oh. like start slow and just do like part-time college, yeah. um, like while you're recovering and uh, live, you know, live with me for free and, and just maybe go to community college part-time until you're ready to like go to, you know, university. So yeah. I did that for one semester and that was really awesome and it was like a really good way to start. Yeah, um, like a good transition. Which college? Yeah. I'm in California, so. Yeah, um, I went to Evergreen Valley College. It's in San Jose. Okay. Yeah. So like more up north. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's nice. That's like amazing to have some support system. Yeah. I bet it was also nice to kind of get out of where you were used to being like get yeah. into a new environment that was really nice too it was yeah it was cool to like to be in a new place and 
Mm-hmm. Um, to have her support and also, yeah, definitely be like starting something new and different. Um, yeah. Like at a slower pace. So that was mm-hmm. good. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Not just jumping in. Because otherwise, college mm-hmm. is overwhelming, actually. Like, yeah. Oh my God. In general. Totally. So yeah. I can imagine yeah. starting off with um, a yeah. lot of things that happened before. Oh, yeah, it is. So that was a good way. And then, like, after that semester, I felt like I was ready to start full time in college. And mm-hmm. um, I decided I wanted to go back to Texas and go to, like, the school that I had originally planned to go to. So that was, like, when I guess I felt more like I'm ready to be, like, on my own. Right. right. And, and where yeah. did you end up going to college in Texas? Because I'm in Texas. So now, okay. yeah, you have Maddie and I both from where you went to college. <laughs> yeah, so. cool. <laughs> um, I went to University of Texas in Arlington. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, cool. So a UT school. Yeah, UT system. Yeah. I kind of like wanted to be in Texas, but kind of somewhere new. Like I didn't want to be like right at home in Austin, but I wanted to, like, you know, be not yeah. far from home Near, either. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. a good happy medium, for sure. Mm-hmm. Wow. And then That's amazing that you, oh, go I ahead, was just going to say, like, it's yeah. just so impressive that you, you know, like, as a college-age student, just wanted to, like, get out there and, you know, move on and yeah, that's start. Yeah, really hard. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. It was just, like... I think I just didn't want to, I think I was just like, so kind of set on like, I didn't want the cancer stuff to keep like delaying my goals. Mm -hmm. And so I was just kind of like, okay, I'm going to, I'm just going to do this. This is what I wanted to do before. And, you know, I'm just going to go off and and start school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How did you get on the career path that you have now? And can you explain a little bit more about what you do? Yeah, sure. So um, I always kind of wanted to be in the helping profession. I was actually kind of thinking about um, getting a psychology degree before the cancer and um, like maybe being like a child psychologist. And with my experience with cancer, I met some great support people like social workers and child life specialists in the hospital that were really helpful for me and my family to provide that, you know, emotional support and also like connection to um, different programs and resources that were helpful for us. So that's how I really learned about social work and um, decided that I wanted to do that as my profession, which is really close to psychology. I mean, you study psychology, but I felt like what is so awesome about social work is that it's kind of like you can do so much with a social work degree and you can work Mm -hmm. in different types of fields and you can really kind of meet the person where they're at and really help them with um, kind of a broad range of things. You can provide counseling, you can you know, help them to connect to support programs or resources in their community. And that was something that I really connected with and really liked. So that's yeah. how um, I kind of went with uh, getting a social work degree. Yeah, I love that. And then how did you find 
like, how'd you get into the cancer? Did you know when you got the social work degree, like you wanted to be in the cancer community? Yeah. Initially, that's what I wanted to do was just be able to use the degree and the knowledge from that along with my personal experience, like to have both sides yeah. to, to um, help, you know, people going yeah. through cancer. So I'm sure it's like so helpful for to because you can fully relate. So I'm sure it's just I hope so. I mean, I think it was really tough. Uh, Well, I don't want to say tough, actually. I think I was lucky to get into oncology and social work because there's Mm -hmm. not like a lot of oncology social work jobs. Yeah, I would think there would be more I there should be more there could be more <laughs> <Okay>. I agree <laughs> yeah but um I was lucky that when I had to do my internship in undergrad there was a charity in the area that I was going to school that helped uh cancer patients and they had an internship that I applied for and thankfully I, I got that and so that was how I got like started in oncology social work uh, as an intern, and then thankfully they hired me like after I got my degree. Oh great! Wow. Yeah. So it happened really fast after you didn't have to do yeah. too much bouncing around or anything. Yeah, yeah, and oh, that's uh, so good. I love that you're <laughs> like using your yeah. experience to help others I'm sure you help so many people because like I feel like every cancer patient should get a social worker (laughs) I think (laughs) why not it would be so helpful and like just to know about like you said like support groups even or you Mm -hmm. know just to know about like resources yeah no I totally agree I wish there were more of us (laughs) yeah Seriously, that's, yeah, that's amazing. And then I want to ask too about regarding cancer, like how you found it. I get you're in Austin, but yeah, like how you found it and like, are you still involved and all that good stuff? Sure. Yeah. So now I work at a cancer center here in the Austin area. And um, so I found regarding cancer through uh, Linda Richards, who is their awesome, um, you know, program coordinator. And I met her at the cancer center that I work at. And she was, you know, telling me about the program so that I could, you know, be able to refer patients. Yeah. um, Also because they had volunteers that would volunteer at the cancer center too. Um, Mm -hmm. They have uh, a couple of different volunteer programs. So she, at one point, she asked me, she was like, you know, hey, would you want to be a peer mentor since you've been through it and, you know, you could possibly connect with somebody else with sarcoma or maybe like a teenager or young adult who's going through it. And I was like, definitely, you know, Mm -hmm. because I, you know, I know what it's like to not have somebody in your age group or somebody with your type of cancer that you can connect with. And so I definitely wanted to be able to help others, you know, if I could. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's amazing. It's such a cool foundation. It like, it's just, it's brilliant. It yeah, it's really awesome. So I definitely refer patients there a lot because I, I think it's just so impactful when you can talk to somebody who's, you know, been through the same thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Love that. Yeah. Um, And, like... 
how are you doing now? Give us like the update of like your life. And like, also, I always like to ask too, if you have advice for someone that like is about to start going through it or was just recently diagnosed, like what would it be? Okay. There were, there were two questions there. You can <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm doing really well now, you know, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what to say, but I'm, yeah, I'm doing well, like health wise, pretty well. I have, um, you know, there's some things you just deal with after cancer, like that are different physically. Um, so there are some, you know, physical things that will always be different, but overall, I mean, I'm healthy, thankfully. And sometimes I use a prosthetic, which is new. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, that's new. How is that? That's it's good. It's still a learning experience because yeah. I didn't start using a prosthesis until a couple of years ago. Okay. And so now I have two and they're really helpful. Like I use them, you know, for certain activities. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So the, so that's been cool. Cause I have one that's kind of like robotic and that's pretty yeah. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually curious how they work. Like, yeah, I'm curious how they work. Like, does it, how does it know when to, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Does it grab, yeah, like, how do. does it know? Yeah. yeah. So it's really cool. It's, it's like when you're thinking about moving a muscle, right? There's like this electric signal that happens when, mm-hmm. like, you're thinking about it, the nerve sends a signal to your muscle, and then there's like a signal that these, um, sensors can pick up in the prosthetic so they wow they custom that is so cool yeah it's really cool like they custom build the prosthetic socket to fit your residual limb and um they put for me they put two motors so there's a motor that is um not motor sorry sensor so there's a sensor that's getting the input from my bicep and one that's getting the input from my tricep and so basically if i'm thinking about it and i'm flexing my bicep it's gonna like make the hand open right that is so Um, cool that is so like how did they invent that wow i'm probably not explaining it right at all but (laughs) no so so in a way like the way you're describing it kind of reminds me of how just me thinking of my hand and me thinking what I want to do with it it just does it so is that kind of how like the same thing is like your body is hooked up to the sensor that tells it what it wants to do well it's kind of like you're thinking about it but you're also flexing the muscle so um so that required like a lot of um training like I had to spend a lot of time flexing my bicep and tricep and yeah it's, and that's kind of tiring because mm-hmm. if you can imagine like just flexing your bicep and tricep over and over again yeah, yeah it's definitely tiring it's, it's tough but yeah. that's like how you get it to move basically is whichever muscle you're um flexing is going to mm-hmm. tell the hand like to open or close and then you can flex like both muscles at once and it it does something else and so it's wow uh, it's just kind of a process of learning yeah I feel like you would definitely have to like get used to that that sounds yeah Yeah. 
but is it it's helpful yeah it is yeah it's been helpful for like certain tasks like yeah um if i mean any any time like if i need to hold two things at once you know it's helpful to use it for that like if i'm going i'll wear it for certain things like i don't wear it all the time because it's heavy but i'll wear that electric one um if i'm going to be at a party or something uh where i need to hold like a plate and a cup and then it helps me to be able to hold it oh okay got Um, so you think ahead when you want to use it that makes sense yeah i do and then i have another one that's not electric at all it's just um for fitness and okay very basic it looks cool but it's very basic but it helps me to like have the stability um to be able to do like yoga or cycling things like that oh Oh, wow that even sounds like an amazing one too. I know, like it's yeah. Wow, yeah. it's really cool. So much on this episode. <laughs> I know. Wow. Thank you so much, Vanessa. And yeah. we skipped at one question. Oh and yeah! Oh yeah! Advice. I forgot. Oh. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. There was I advice. forgot. Sorry. I feel like I've been missing some of the questions. Oh, sorry. sorry I asked five. I asked five <laughs> questions one time. So. <laughs> um. Yeah. Uh, I would say just, I guess I would just tell people that it's okay, like, to not be positive all the time and to have, like, a lot of different emotions. And this is something mm-hmm. I'll talk to patients that I work with about, too, is just mm-hmm. that I think a lot, I think it's really common for um, patients with cancer to get certain people that will say, you know, just be positive all the time. or yeah. um, And... Not that that's bad because they, they mean the best and, right. and positivity is good. But I think that sometimes mm. um, it can make patients feel like guilty if you don't feel positive yes. all the time. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's just really important to know that it's really normal to have like a wide range of emotions um, because you're facing this really difficult experience that you never thought you'd have to face. Yeah. And um, but it's totally normal to have a lot of emotions and and to not be positive all the time, and that's okay. Um, mm-hmm. And that's what I would say. And but definitely, if it gets too tough, that's a really good one. Thank mm-hmm. you. <laughs> I wish I would have known that because <laughs> I know. Yeah, because you think. I mean, yeah, it's so true. Like sure. you feel bad for being upset or like mad. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? When it's like yeah. it's so okay and it's very normal because like what the fuck is happening right (laughs) yeah yeah. totally it's it's so normal but i think yeah i think we often feel guilty about having like those emotions especially Mm -hmm. when we're just trying i think a lot of us are trying to be really strong you know when we're going through right and that's another thing i'll tell patients too sometimes is just like you're so strong even if you're crying or if you're feeling like you know you're having a bad day like you're, yeah. you're so strong in that mm-hmm. it's just that you're having a bad moment. Mm-hmm. Totally. Yeah. That's great. Love that. Thanks, Vanessa. Yeah, yeah, thank Vanessa. you. Guys. Thank you so, much. It was so, so much. wonderful having you. We absolutely loved having you. You taught us so much and Seriously, you're a bright so light. So 
Thank you. Thank you, you guys so much. It was great to meet you in person. Yeah. Well, kind of you. Yeah, yeah, person. <laughs> Virtual in person. Yeah. Thank you so much, Vanessa. Thanks, Vanessa. Bye. Bye. Thanks so much for listening to Cancer Actually Fucking Sucks, the podcast that tells the truth about what people with cancer actually go through. Each week, myself, Paige Gill, and my co-host, Madison Pollock, sit down with fellow cancer survivors to tell our stories. Keep up to date with our guests and new episodes on our Facebook and Instagram pages, Cancer Actually Sucks Podcast, and tune in every Monday to hear our stories.